Hello, this is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with this week's Parenting Podcast, and today we are continuing our Parenting Doctors interview series, and I've got an excellent treat for all of you. I've got the clinical psychologist, uh, Dr. Patricia Price, back. She is back. Many, many of you have been asking for her to come back, and we're so excited to have her back today. Um she is going to talk about teaching our children good body image. So I've got some good questions for her. She's going to speak from a depth of experience. And for those of you, um, we have a great uh, iTunes interview with her where we talk about eating disorders. So check that out. And also check out Dr. Price's uh, children's book, No More Screen Time. She is the author of a children's picture book, No More Screen Time. Um, Dr. Price has long been concerned about the overuse of screens, particularly amongst youth, and she's become a huge proponent of providing old-fashioned experiences to children. And Dr. Price, she specializes in eating disorders, anxiety and depression in ch children, teens, and young adults. She does a great job. Uh, she's a wonderful colleague, and, and she comes from the University of St. Thomas, and I'm proud to call her a friend and a colleague. And uh, I'm so excited that you are here, Dr. Price. Again, welcome back. Thank you, Dan. So um, let's jump right into it. Um, and you can find out more information at parentingdoctors.com, where she is a, a featured contributor as part of Team Parenting Doctors. And she knows a lot about this stuff. So let's jump right into teaching our children good body image. So, um, Dr. Price, what are um, some of the what are the some of the keys to teaching our children good body image? Uh, you know, I think um, as much as possible, one of the most important keys is for parents to not talk about their own body image, uh, especially if it's negative, in front of their children from the get-go. Um, you know, there's a lot of parents on different diets these days. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the initial keys is to just not have any conversations of those types, uh, what foods are good or bad, um, you know, what, what makes you fat, you know, the, the word... The F, the F word, fat, um, keeping that to a minimum, um, and, and also not talking about other people's bodies. If you see someone in a store who, you know, doesn't fit the ideal, not making a snide comment in front of your kids, um, all those things are really important initial uh, things that you can do as a parent. So, um I think an important thing, Dr. Price, is self-acceptance and self-love. But we are against against a culture that really teaches different things. What do you think of the societal messages uh, when it comes to body? Oh image? boy, you know, I wish I wish I felt like things were getting better um, in terms of uh, like the environment being a breeding ground for eating disorder development. But I feel like over the course of the last 30 years, things have actually gotten worse. Um, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, the, the main thing was fat-free. Everything was fat-free, you know. That was the main focus. 
there was Weight Watchers, but there was, you know, there was, there, today we have the just booming economy of, of uh, diet, diet trends. And, you know, every time you turn around, there's another idea of what's going to make you better, stronger, faster, um, leaner, and, um, and boy, the, the messages are just amplified, I, I feel like. Um, and uh, the other thing that I've noticed the change in, and that the eating disorder community is really very uh, much aware of on the increase is male eating disorders. Um, male eating disorders used to be used to be relatively rare. They were probably thought to be more rare than they actually were. Uh, but today, um, you know, there's there's a huge awareness of you know the demands that are on males to have chiseled abdomens, and um, it, it's interesting because if you look at if you look at the We've always heard about how Barbie dolls affect a girl's body image. Um, yeah. But if you look, if you look how, if you look at the changes between action figures of the 1970s, 1980s, and those exact same action figures today, uh, you look at Bat, the Batman from the 70s and 80s versus the Batman of today, the the Thor of the 80s versus the Thor of today. Um, it's fascinating to look if you find pictures of those the extreme body differences between how they used to look and how they look today. And um, there's just a lot of subtle messages for both boys and girls about what the ideal is. Um, and it, it sometimes goes under our radar. Like, unless you unless you point it out to parents, they don't even notice. Yeah, so it, it almost like it sort of taps into that schema of you know, I'm not good enough. I'm only good enough if I'm chiseled. I'm only good enough if I'm... And so I, so it really works against the self-love, self-acceptance, and that I am enough, and that I am good enough inherently because I'm a lovable child. And uh, the society really pushes these if-then rules. If you have, right, if you're, if you're chiseled, then you're good enough. Or if you're uh, ripped, then you're good enough for boys and um, and for girls. What what are the if thens for girls? Uh, you know, it, it can be very much. It can be very similar to the boys. I mean, the girl athletes. Um, it, it's difficult sometimes because the, the more athletic a body is, the higher um, the higher the BMI is um and so what we're seeing a lot of these days is very very muscular teenagers who um aren't underweight in terms of the old-fashioned standards of being underweight but they are full-blown anorexia patients because for their body size and the amount of muscle mass that's on their bodies they're super they're super underweight Okay. Um, so they they don't look they don't appear to look like anorexia patients that we think of when we think of the waist and um, you know almost fainting passing out low weight patient. Um, they look somewhat athletic. They have chiseled um, 
you know, you can see their muscles. They can, you can see they have muscle on them. However, for their, where they're supposed to be developmentally, they're maybe 20, 20, 25 pounds underweight. Um, and it really, those are the patients that I find it most difficult to work with um, because they, they are being told by their teammates and their coaches and their parents that they look great. And, you know, yet they're not having their period. Um, you know, maybe in boys, puberty hasn't begun. Um, and they're, they're too low weight. Um, and, you know, that's, that's now understood as a, there's a new diagnosis called atypical anorexia. And if you Google atypical anorexia, um, you'll see that, that that's a relatively new concept. Um, and I see both boys and girls suffering what they consider, um, what they consider, you know, when, when boys and girls are too concerned about their muscle tone and being, you know, having perfect muscle tone, uh, they consider that to be called muscle, dys- muscle dysmorphic disorder. Um, and, uh, it's, it's just an obsession with muscle tone and movement, um, and it's really on the uptick right now. Yeah, that's really interesting. What, what, what about the the course of natural body cues, Doctor Price? Um, does like our body goes through cycles, right? We go through ups and downs. It could be water weight. It could be, um, it could be just you know a lot of the developmental changes as as children go through puberty. Um, what are some things that we need to do to not ignore the natural body cues? Well, um, you know, I always describe, so I always describe to patients that, you know, when little kids are born, when an infant is born, um, you're born, most people are born with a perfect, we're like, we're like Ferraris when we're born. Everything is in perfect working, working condition. Brand new Ferrari uh, with a perfectly working gas gauge, right? Yeah. I consider, I, I talk about this with kids all the time, that when you were an infant, you, had a, you cried when you were hungry, and you stopped eating when you were full. And you knew, you know, your parents knew how to feed you, and... No one questions, oh, is this baby too fat or too thin or whatever. Um, and, and that kind of progresses for several years into toddlerhood and um, the, the early elementary years. You know, most kids, if you look at kids that haven't had any um, interventions, you know, nobody said anything negative to them about their weight. You know, you see them going to the cupboard to get snacks when they're hungry and you see them not eat when they're not hungry. Um, and I'm always trying to encourage parents to just allow that to be the case and to not go too far in intervening. Um, you know, like I see some parents very early on saying, nope, you can, you cannot eat between meals. Um, you know, so kids, have their natural hunger cues and they're being told by society to ignore them or that they're incorrect or that, um, 
you know, they can't trust their own hunger cues because they're wrong. Um, and and that's very rarely the case. And, it, and uh, you know, what, what I try to encourage parents to do as much as possible is let their kids kind of dictate what they want at different times. I mean, of course, it has to be respectful to if you're eating something for for dinner you can't just let the kid have whatever they want but in terms of like timing if a kid just had lunch two hours ago and they happen to want a snack right now um it's probably because their body needs a snack you know so as much as possible helping kids respect their own body cues and respecting your kid's body cues um and so you know, with eating disorders, somewhere along the line, the gas gauge gets broken. Okay. And no longer, you know, the kid, the, the kid's brain and body no longer trust each other. You know, maybe uh, somewhere along the line, a comment was made that um, a kid is getting toward the obese range. Uh, I see that happen a lot. Um with pediatricians who are seeing like pre-adolescent kids and you yep. know there is a tendency there's a tendency to in development to kind of go through phases where um you know you get a little chunk, chunkier or larger and then you grow tall yeah what do you, you do if you're tall. what do you do dr price if your pediatrician starts to mention that your child is overweight um, that's a great question. I uh, I can actually tell you I had that happen to one of my children um, about two years ago, and uh, this this doctor knows that I work with eating disorder patients, and I immediately stopped him uh, because he was saying that right in front of my son. And uh, I mean, it's unfortunate that pediatricians and other medical doctors are often um, very focused on the obesity epidemic um, and they're not very well trained in underweight or uh, other types of eating disorders. And so, um, you know, I'm of the opinion that unless unless your child has a chronic weight issue that um, you, you know your child best. I mean, you know the ebbs and flows of your kids. Um, this son of mine happens to always kind of get bigger before he grows tall. And it's been a pattern since he was an infant. Um, so I, I recommend talking to your physician without the kid present and just um, really, really asking them if it's a big concern or... You know, if it can not be made to be a big concern, because oftentimes it's just a stage of development. Um, you know, if your kid is, if your kid is eating healthy, and you know they're eating normally and healthy, they're not going to have a weight problem. If you know your kid is eating three bags of chips every night, well, then that might be a different story. Um, or if your kid is getting up in the middle of the night and having ice cream at three in the morning. I mean, you know your kid best and, and just don't assume that your pediatrician understands eating disorders. Um, that would be my recommendation. 
So if Dr. Bryce, if we do have a real issue of obesity when you look at the last 50 years. And uh, when I was growing up, um, it was all about, you know, go out and play. And when the lights went on, then you had to go home. And, and even during summer days, you could just be out in a safe neighborhood. Right. right? And um, and so nowadays, yeah, I, just, I just sat with an 11-year-old uh, the other day. And so what do you do? What do you play? Fortnite, Grand Theft Auto. And I was thinking basketball, baseball, you know, I, I no. do you, well, do you ever go outside and play? Uh, nope. And, and so, and I sat with a 16 year old today and he actually said the same video games. It's Fortnite and Grand Theft Auto. And we can get into the video game issue another day, but, um, you, you have a lot of sitting, right? You have um, a lot of data that points to increased obesity. So how do you balance, if, if you are concerned about your child who might be very overweight, so there's overweight, very overweight, maybe you can explain the, um, you know, the different categories. Uh, how do you balance the, ex- the self-acceptance and self-love and the developmental process um, and balance that with, uh, we have a whole lot more knowledge on ingredients. We have a, we have a whole lot more knowledge on how sugar is the enemy, right? And, right, right. And, and how do you balance, uh, and the importance of not sitting, but going out and making friends, playing kickball and, um, hunting for frogs down here, not hunting for alligators, which some boys like to do. Um, how do you balance all that out? Oh, that's, that's a, that's a great, huge question. Um, boy, you know, I, I think that is a much, like it's a much broader problem in those kind of cases than just anything related to, to weight. Um, you know, kids have got to get out and get exercise and um you know that that's kind of the point of like when you were talk, when I was talking about going to your pediatrician if you know your kid is sedentary and um really doing no physical activity all day and has an obesity problem um that's a that's a huge conversation to be had with your pediatrician uh and it probably involves more parent education than direct intervention with the kid. Um, and I think, you know, that spells out kind of the difference between a pediatrician mentioning weight with a kid like that versus if you bring your child in who plays three sports and happens to be in a heavier phase of, of his childhood um, and the doctor starts talking about obesity, that's, that's a real issue. Um but boy, you know, it goes back to my whole fear about screen time and um, and my worry about families that that just allow their children to do that. I'm I'm uh, I'm just worried about the the, uh, the those particular video games in particular. I know that's for another podcast, but um, yeah, I think. In terms of teaching body image, it has to be focused on, on health. 
Um, yeah. You know, if you know, if you know the obesity in your child is gonna, it's probably gonna cause life-threatening health problems. Um, you can't just ignore that. Um, and you you have to learn. I think it's about parent education on diet, on their own diet pro- processes too. Yeah. Um, and then and unfortunately, that that kind of runs in families. I think. Um, you know. Obesity is highly genetic, um, and so it's, it's probably a full family education at that point. Yeah. And so, how do you know if you're a parent that the obesity or the overweight is an issue? Like, I I think that parents want to know if my kid is overweight, is this something I need to be concerned about? Or is this a process of development that has to go, has to do with size and height and patience and ultimately we want to encourage self love and self acceptance? Right. I think I think that goes back to what the definition of an eating disorder is. I mean, someone who is someone who is obese probably has some form of eating disorder, unless. Uh, it's super highly genetic, and you know there are certain people who are genetically larger um, and who fall into a, an obese category. Um, I think it all has to do with behavior. If you are eating healthy and you're eating a well-balanced diet, and your body still trends upward, um, that's that's a whole lot different than if you see. And if your child is eating healthy and their their body size is just larger, that's a whole lot different than if you see your child um, buying a fun size bag of Snickers and eating it in one sitting um, and having a weight issue because of that. So I think you have to look at the behavior more than the weight itself um, to determine whether whether there's an issue. Um, I have, you know, I have, my, my son is 13 and he has friends at all different stages of adolescence. Some who have gone through the growth spurt, some who, um, are just, you know, ready to go through their growth spurt. And I would say, you know, you have to look at the eating habits themselves to determine and the amount of control the kid has. Uh, you know, binge eating disorder is not just binge eating disorder because there's large amounts of food eaten. Um, but like a, a true binge is a loss of control. Um, so if, if a kid is losing control over their eating or, uh, you know, mindlessly eating to the point that, uh, you know, that they don't seem to be able to control it, um, that's a whole different issue than if, it, if a kid is just eating healthy. Yeah. Dr. Price, how do you help a child to be secure with themselves, confident, and really work against the societal messages that we need to compare? How do you help a child not compare? Because it seems like a lot of what's behind the muscle dysmorphic disorder that you mentioned earlier um, is really about how do I look compared to? And yeah, yeah, hot. it's hard. I mean, I think that parent, as a parent, you have to be constantly educating kids about 
um, what's, what's normal, what the difference is between dedication and obsession. Um, mm. I think that's a big one. Yeah. I'm constantly pointing out to my kids. Um, you know, just recently there was a newspaper article in our, in our local paper uh, about a guy who had run, who, who was on, he, he had a streak of running every single day of his life for the last 50 years. Um, and, you know, the paper highlighted it as, wow, what an achievement, how dedicated. Uh, but it, halfway through the article, it talked about how he had even achieved maintaining the streak despite having a broken ankle at one point. He ran through the broken ankle. Um, and then it also talked about a week that he had spent in a hospital where he was quarantined to his hospital room. So, you know, in order to keep the streak running, he decided to run around his bed in the hospital. Um, you know, and <laughs> here our local paper is applauding that message, right? Yeah. Applauding and, and saying, wow, how dedicated. And, um, you know, I wrote a letter to the editor saying, gosh, we got to teach our kids better. This is not, you know, you no. have to... There's a difference between dedication and, and obsessive-compulsive behavior. And, yeah. um, you know, education, education, education. And and if that means parents need to learn, um, you know, I, I encourage them to, to try to understand themselves. But there is a big difference between being healthy and, you know, dedicated to a sport and going too far. Um, it's not healthy to run through an injury. It's not, you know, there was a kid growing up when I was a kid that died from a Tylenol overdose for, from taking too much Tylenol before a race because she was in so much pain. Um, you know, we have to stay on top of like what's healthy and what crosses the line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a parenting doctor, I'm, you and I, we... Um, we know that in our environment and how we communicate the messages that we give to the children really have a huge impact on how they internalize the messages about themselves. So if we uh, not only say, but also convey in our attachment and affection and unconditional love and regard and support, if we convey the messages, you are enough, you are loved, you are lovable, you are acceptable to me fully and completely. They themselves uh, then uh, then learn, then their self-talk, they internalize those messages that they are, I am enough, I am loved, I am lovable, I am acceptable, uh, and I yeah. accept myself. But we also know that <clears throat> we can love unconditionally and we can do everything we can as as parents with you know with what i just said there's also a societal influence right and for sure and for so sure. how do we deal with that societal influence and in, when it comes to the self talk of the child oh uh, you know that's that's so true um i also have a i can also, i i always speak about my own kids uh, as examples, but I have a nine-year-old daughter who, um, you know, is right there with picking up on, you know, what's 
what's good looking and what's not good looking, what's, um, you know, what hairstyles are attractive. Gosh, constantly I think have to go back to reminding them that those things are not, are not who they are. And, and there's so much more. And, you know, it comes back to, you can't, you can't totally, if a, if a kid develops an eating disorder, the parent cannot be faulted because, boy, there's so much that goes into an eating disorder development, largely genetics. Yeah. Um, however, you know, you can do your best yeah. uh, to just constantly be aware of those messages. And, you know, if you hear, if you hear your child commenting on somebody else's body, um, you know, boy, that's a great point of entry to have a good discussion about um, what the what the kid really values and what values should be important and what um, you know what things you should notice about a person and what you'd want someone to notice about you. Yeah, and I you know I just I feel like we're soldiers, we're generals in a war, and I feel like we have to confront these societal messages because we can really work really hard, do everything we can. Um, in terms of prayer and parenting, to send the message, convey the message, to help the children internalize the messages that they are enough, that they are loved, that they are accepted, they are acceptable, and that they internalize, they in turn internalize the messages, I'm enough, I'm lovable, I'm acceptable as I am, but society is sending the messages, and this is why I think we're at, we have to confront these societal messages explicitly with our children because society is sending the messages they are not enough unless they are not loved unless they are not accepted unless they're ripped they're chiseled they have this nice butt that they absolutely and so the good the body image is never enough and absolutely and and you know we were talking a little bit before this started with uh in terms of sports, and sports are so amped up on that too. Like, um, you know, my my kids' team teammates might all be in some kind of uh, you know elite um, endurance endurance training program, yeah. right? Yep. And the the kids the teammates that choose not to do that are are like considered a little bit less, you know, and. Um, you know, as parents, it, it comes into play as parents too. Like you find, you find yourself as a parent saying, geez, he's doing that. Maybe, maybe Michael should do that. Or maybe, um, maybe that's something we should get into. And it, it gets to be just a rat race of competition for who's doing the most to excel their game. And, uh, this brings me to my favorite book. Dr. Price by John Tower, a social psychologist at the University of St. Thomas. Uh, why less is more for wasps, well-intentioned but over-involved sports parents. And Dr. Tower talks about, um, you know, ultimately the goal is fun, and that we need to <laughs> release and let go. Absolutely, yeah. But can you get into, you know, some some parents from third grade on are 
are pretty focused on getting their kids into the NBA or the NFL, and oh, it gets really stressful. Um, and I think as parents, you just have to step back and put up a boundary and go, "All right, I'm not going to answer this rat race because if you if you can say no, your kid can learn to say no." Yeah, um, and for those parents who are in the rat race, um, I think one of the take-home messages um, in terms of the, you know, the, the muscle dysmorphic disorder point, you know, when it comes to competition or when it comes to pursuing excellence, I mean, actually, you've, you've given us so many great messages here, uh, Dr. Price, and thank you so much. Uh, but one of them is dedication, not obsession. Another one you, is, is um, you know, it's about what you can do, not what you look like. Um, and it's, it's, if you could do, if you could do five pull-ups, great. But staring in the mirror and, and taking pictures and sending them to your friends and arguing who has more chisel well, that would be very unhealthy. Right. Or, or even, even you know, bragging about, you know, how many, how many sports camps you did today. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in that, we're in that, uh, we're in that tier of competitive families that, you know, the kids sit there and say, oh, I only had two sports camps today. Well, I had three. You know, I mean, as much as you can get your kids to not talk about that stuff with each other and just, you know, focus on on better topics. Um, and living and a balance, you know. Just, yeah, just finding some balance because, it, yeah. you know, kids get really anxious when they feel like they're not able to keep up with other kids. And, and it gets to be extreme. Um and parents, I see parents stressed out that they're not keeping up with what other parents are doing. Um, yeah. And so, you and know, the, the more we can top down, teach them that that stuff is not important, um, and that comparison is not important, uh, the more, the happier, the ha- happier they'll be, and, like, the more able to turn that off they'll be. Yeah. And, Dr. Price, you have... What I understand the word is amongst colleagues that you potentially have a video series that may be coming out for uh, disordered eating. Did I get that word through the grapevine correctly? That's right. That's my goal. <laughs> so a lot of that's going to be a great contribution to the I'm field. Gonna do a, I'm going to try to do a video series um, starting probably next week, um, and I have different topics related to. Eating the various eating disorders um, and and parenting. Well, you you are such a, a such a great positive contributor uh, to our parenting doctor's work. Let me give you the last word here as we finish up on um, any any final thoughts on the the critical importance of che- teaching our children good body image. Um. You know, as much as you can, um, as much as you can avoid um, discussing their body with them and 
focusing on your own body around them. I think, you know, if you had no, one one take-home message, um, not discussing body and diet around your kids, I think, is the key. Um, or it is a huge key. And I think uh, in our culture, there's so many so many dieting messages that just crushes me because I thought those would decline over time and they've only increased. Um, and so when you see that trying to combat, I mean, every food is healthy in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you just heard an interview with Dr. Patricia Price, an expert in Minnesota. Um, and check out her book, No More Screen Time, and I will give uh, provide more information further on her upcoming video series, uh, an expert on eating disorders. We thank you so much for your uh, being here, Dr. Price. Wish you the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you.